today on the Chat and Chew Show. And then, you said something so strong. You said your passion, what did you say? Can propel you to your purpose? Or? Passion is a precursor, precursor. to your purpose. Like you, you went by that so fast. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> your passion is a precursor to your purpose. Yeah. And people spend tons and tons of energy, time, everything, trying to find out what their purpose is. But if they step back and look at what, what are you passionate about? Yeah. No matter where you are in life, part of our human nature has always been to find meaning and purpose for our time here on Earth. Some of the most common questions that we seek to answer are, why am I here? And how do I focus on what really matters? Today on the Chat and Chew Show, we are joined by Carl Fortune, founder and president of the Fortune Foundation. The Fortune Foundation is a nonprofit organization committed to increasing the number of minority youth who excel both academically and professionally, and who are also equipped with tools to become effective leaders in their communities. Carl holds three master's degrees and by day works full-time as a senior manager in the public sector consulting space. He is originally from Miami, Florida, but has resided in the state of Maryland for more than 10 years. He will share with us why he chooses to give back to his community through mentorship, how to manage relationships when building a business, and what you can do right now to zero in on your purpose. Get your pen and pad ready, Chat Tribe. You will not want to miss one of these valuable tips. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Chat and Chew Show. My name is Betty. And I'm Roxanne. And we are excited, thrilled, overjoyed. How about that? That you have joined us today. <laughs> all of that, all those words. <laughs> and um, we know that there are tons and tons of podcasts and YouTubers out there and that you clicked on our episode. We can't be more grateful. So thank you, thank you for joining us. And as you know, the Chat and Chew show is designed to empower you to do your relationships better. And we are all in a relationship. No matter where you are in your life, you can be in a romantic relationship or your school teacher, your relationship with your children, more importantly, your relationship with their parents, uh, you are Uber drivers. So your relationship with people, and this show was put together to help you to do your relationships better. And as we say every week, and we mean this, this show is today is gonna be fantastic. Um, I heard a quote from uh, this guy who's a motivational speaker who has since passed named Zig Ziglar. And I love what he said. He said, if you can help enough people get what they want, you also can get what you want. Think about that. If I spend my life and my energy helping people, especially people who are underserved and people who fall through the cracks, get what they want, I can also get what I want. So today's show, we're gonna to speak to a person who is spending his life basically helping other people. This is gonna be a fantastic show, so hang with us. All 
right, so welcome back. As Betty mentioned to you, we have a great show today and a great guest. Um, so we want to welcome Carl Fortune to the show. Hey, Carl. Hello, hello, hello. Good morning, everybody. And just to clarify, it's Carl with a C. Carl with a C. You know, I tell people that all the time. All the day, Carl with a C. Yep. Well, Carl, um, so you run Fortune Foundation, right? Can you tell us a little bit about Fortune Foundation and what you guys do? Sure, sure. So the Fortune Foundation is a nonprofit organization that I started in 2013, so eight years ago. And in its true essence, it's really just a nonprofit organization where I try to empower youth and provide them with tools to become leaders in their, in their community. And so um, it's coupled with, with mentoring, one-on-one -on -one activities, um, working with the community, working with churches, and just collaborations, community events, partnerships is really what we're all about. So we try to sprinkle ourselves in different things, whether, again, whether it's school, whether it's church, whether it's community, and different things like that, and, and really uplift our youth. Wow. So, Carl, why would you do, your, do this? Why would you spend your life trying to help other people, especially youth. I mean, it's, it's where my heart has always been, if, if I'm being honest with you. And, and it's an interesting dichotomy because with the Fortune Foundation, I started it for two reasons. One, because of all the opportunities that I was afforded as, as a young kid growing up, but also all the things I didn't get to have in the mentorship and guidance that I didn't get to have. So it's, it's interesting. So, so it's twofold and really, I, I do this because I have a heart for youth. Um, I've always felt like, you know, I was wise beyond my years, as people say, you know, I'm young, but have always been considered the elder. And so um, I really like to impart wisdom. I really like to um, that each one teach one concept where yeah. as you grow and as you thrive, especially in your career, whether academically, professionally, you reach back and you make sure you bring, you know, other people along and and you know it's also being being a black man in america understanding the challenges that we face um you know the hardships the the negative stereotypes and really trying to eradicate that and and teaching our young people that that they value that they that their lives have value and, and that we matter and interestingly enough speaking of value so the organization's name is the fortune foundation um but our our vision is, is to be rich. And it's, it's a play on words because it's not rich in your pocket. It's not rich in your bank account. Rich is ac actually an acronym, uh, respect, integrity, character, and hard work. Oh. And so um, I, I want our youth to know and understand that the true value of a person is, is a matter of the heart and not necessarily a matter of their bank account. So respect, integrity, character, and hard work um, is really something that we impart and try to drill heavily into the youth that we serve. Good. Now, I find that people who do work like yours, us, uh, they, it's like you said already, they have something that they didn't get in their lives. And so now they're like, because I didn't get this, I want to be able to give it to somebody else. So tell us some of the things that you felt that you didn't get in your life that would make you want to reach back and, and, and give to someone else. Sure, sure. So I grew up first generation Haitian American. My parents are from Haiti. And so they don't really know or understand the concept of, of mentorship or programs. They were very overprotective. If it wasn't your mom or your dad, any other adult was not 
really allowed to be um, some type of pivotal role in your life, you know, just really being overprotected. So while church was, um, I guess, a, a safety net for me in terms of uh, leadership, guidance, and, and wisdom from elders, uh, when it came to, to school and other community activities, you know, we didn't really have that too much. Um, I really didn't start to explore that until, you know, late in high school. And then, of course, when I moved on to college and I could, you know, have academic advisors and professors and different folks like that who could, um, you know, help give some guidance along the way. But I think what I lacked or what I wish I had was some one-on-one -on -one just very early on and outside of my parents, you know, um, just having someone else that you can bounce ideas around with, someone else who you felt like you can trust someone else who um, was not going to judge or, or necessarily uh, play the role of, of parent, mom, dad, um, you know, care, caregiver, but just someone who was very neutral and someone who was, you know, rooting for you along the way. Now, how in the world, as a young person, did you know you needed something like that? <laughs> you would be thinking as a young person, you're like, I don't want nobody telling me nothing. <laughs> what? I didn't know. That's 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 the bad part. I didn't know I needed it until it was too late and I wish I had it. And so that's part of what we try to do is, is meet people where they are and try a lot of the, the, the skills, the activities, um, the programs that we put together for our youth. While they might not think it's absolutely relevant right now, you know, our hope is that we're at least planting a seed so that five, 10, 15 years from now, it all clicks and it makes sense. So, so to your point, Betty, while I didn't know I needed it then, um, I'm thinking of all the things that I wish I had and, and making the conscious effort and decision to make sure that the Fortune Foundation at least incorporates those things. Mm -hmm. How does it feel to give that back to people? Like knowing what you're giving based on what you know now, how does it feel? It, it feels phenomenal. And I tell people this work that I do and, and nonprofit and serving the community is, is some of the most fulfilling work that I have ever done. Um, you know, and academically, I'm pretty accomplished in terms of three master's degrees and, and work and, you know, being a senior manager in the public sector um, and different things like that. And, and I, I do that because I love it. But the Fortune Foundation is, is where I feel fulfilled. It's truly where my purpose is. And, and I tell people all the time, you can love your career, but feel fulfilled in a completely different area. Yeah, I, I've heard in, in those terms, it's like you have a job and then you have a, your real work. Yeah. So your job affords you to be able to do your real work. And it sounds like your real work is like really empowering youth in that. So yeah. are you doing... Um, I want to say direct care, but that's not it. Are you working with youth? Or are you just running an organization, mentoring people who actually work with uh, youth? So it's it's twofold. I oversee all of the programmatic financial aspects of the Fortune Foundation, but I'm also boots to the ground, hands-on, very interactive. So um, when it comes to our mentoring programs, I'm at every single event, every single activity. Okay. Um, yeah, so I'm very hands-on. How did you guys have to adjust during COVID? 
Oh man, it has been a challenge during COVID so much so um, not all of the programs and activities that we had going on are actually in session right now. Some of them uh, were, especially where I was working with at risk and, and youth that were you know, disadvantaged um, in some way, shape or form, um, you know, in this virtual capacity, if they don't have the computers or the laptops at home, it's hard to continue to work with them and, and, and meet and do those kinds of things. Um, also, um, we're just very careful in the sense that we like to work with our youth, um, preferably in a school setting, uh, preferably where other teachers and adults are involved and, and you know, can see the great work that we're doing. And uh, because a lot of schools, especially in my area, um, aren't necessarily open right now, it's hard to continue those activities. But um, trust and believe, I have some parents who call me every other week just to you know, get their child together and be like, get this boy before I do something. So um, it's cool to still have you know, that, that connection even though we're in a virtual setting. Yeah. Nice. So I was actually wondering what are most of the issues that you see with um, children now, the, the age that you deal with? Yeah, um, I, I would say behavior issues um, are probably at the top of the list. And, and what I mean by behavior issues, just, you know, having issues with, with listening, paying attention, being disrespectful here and there, thinking that they're grown and old and can say what they want, do what they want and different things like that. Um, and one thing I didn't say is while I started the Fortune Foundation to uh, work with youth in general, interestingly enough, over the years, it has just gravitated to, to working with our, our young kings, as I like to call them. Um, and you know, whether that's uh, schools bringing me in to um, work with a group of their young men, or whether that's parents asking if I can do just some one-on-one -on -one mentorship and coaching with their young kings. Um, it's, it's just gravitated to that. And, um, you know, and honestly, um, I feel like I can relate a lot more if I'm being honest, you know, so it's, it's definitely um, a great opportunity also, I'm wondering what, um, like, if you see any pressures from, like, like social media, just like the way things are now that were different from when we grew up. That's an addition. I think, <laughs> sure, sure. Um, so to answer your first question, um, in terms of some of the, the issues I see with the youth, uh, especially the young men that I serve, um, sometimes it's behavioral issues, sometimes it's academic issues. Um, in terms of, you know, just getting them motivated, helping them develop really strong study habits, um, helping them learn the importance of respecting themselves and their teachers and, and things like that. And um, also, ooh, second question, I forgot it that fast. So the second question is for, <laughs> do you also see the effects of social media, which we didn't have growing up on just their attention, behavior, et cetera? Oh man, social media um, is, is a blessing and a curse. But um, when it comes to youth, I definitely see how they are so impressionable when it comes to social media and not always in a good way, unfortunately. There's, there's always the latest craze, there's the latest challenge, there's the latest 
viral song um, that don't necessarily um, have either a positive message or something that's necessarily uplifting uh, to our youth. And um, you're right, Roxy, because growing up, we did not have um, the vastness of social media as we do today. And so here we are, I'm, I'm, I'm working with youth who, um, at least I would say the fun part is that they always want to teach me the latest dance for TikTok. Um, so my da dance moves are definitely sharpened. Um, but um, to that end, I see how um, they want to emulate um, certain people or certain things that's not always positive. And so really um, affirming them and helping them become validated, um, not by other people, but staying true to themselves is, is really something that I try to um, impart. Yeah. Now our show is all about doing relationships better. And um, so you describe working actually with the kids, working with the parents and the schools and, and all of that. Can you tell us some situations where you had to use like your, uh, I want to say negotiating skills or, <laughs> or how you've worked with people who are disagreeable, didn't want you in the school? Because you know how it is. You know, there's some people who are all for everything you're doing. And then there's some people like, why are you in here? They're just suspicious. You know, parents, even like your parents were suspicious of other adults in, mm -hmm. in your life. So give us some instances where you had to like navigate through these relationships to kind of get your programs going. Absolutely. It's, 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 it's def there are definitely challenges out there. Um, and I, I will say that a lot of times with the schools that um, I, I work and partner with, um, most times we get parental consent before we even start working with their, their young child. Um, so we have a consent form where we send something home to the parents so that they can be completely in the loop, know, understand what we do, when we do it, and, and how we're going to do it. But to that end, um, you know, you still have some parents who are, are very suspicious. Why are you this nice? Or wait, you, you want to tutor him because he's spelling and math? Yeah, <laughs> you know, and so those kinds of things and and really is just building that trust. Um, you have to understand um, that this parent or this guardian is just uh, wanting to make sure that their their young person is safe and protected and, and building that trust and, um, you know, taking a step away from that child and really working with the parent to um, tell them what you've done so far and, and the impact and some of the outcomes you've seen over the years and, um, you know, building a relationship with them as well. And so I've found that when I make the relationship building uh, with the child and the parent, that's when you um, get the, the best reception and you're well received and they're wanting to, to work with you more. But um, we've had schools that uh, we've wanted to partner with and local communities that we've wanted to, to support. And you know, being a new and young organization that's not necessarily on the level of the Boys and Girls Club or other you know, national events, um, you know, it's, it's hard. So you get pushed to the side, you get a lot of no thank yous and, and different things like that. But we persevere, we push on. And we, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you really got to convince parents, because I know how I was with my son, who's 25 now. I was so overprotective. Mm -hmm. it would, you, have, you would have to go through 
jump through all kinds of hoops to prove to me that my son could go to your after school program, you know? <laughs> because it's so crazy out there, you know, with, you know, with people who have ill intentions, you know, that kind of thing. And so uh, just like you said, building that relationship, you know, with uh, the parents and all. I yeah. think it's a good thing. So you're not just a fly-by-night organization. You're actually an established nonprofit, right? Established nonprofit. <laughs> you got papers and everything. Hey, that's papers. <laughs> everything. Um, you know, we went through, well, first of all, I developed a business plan um, when I first um, wanted to start the Fortune Foundation. I And the business plan for me was more so my why um, and, mm-hmm. and the purpose. And I wanted to make sure that I understood before I could pitch this to anybody else that I wanted to understand what, what's my mission and my vision and my goals, um, who's my target population and, and what exactly am I trying to do? Yeah, yeah, this is huge. Uh, these, uh, this uh, phrase is coming to my mind, follow your bliss or have you heard that before? Follow your bliss or do what you're passionate about doing. Good. So we're going to take a short break. Um, so when we come back, I, we would love to uh, for you to tell us how, as a person who's listening, that I can find and start doing what I'm passionate about doing. Okay. All right. So we'll take a short break and we'll see you on the other side of the break. Now, a delicious word. Let's choose. Hey, everybody. It's your girl, Roxanne. And today I want to share with you a recipe for a simple salmon. Now, I love this recipe because it does not take long at all. So it's great at the end of a long day. And also it comes up pretty light and um, it's a versatile dish that you can add to anything. So let's get started with a large nonstick pan. And we're gonna add some olive oil, a small tablespoon of butter and um, some sea salt to the bottom of that pan. We're gonna bring that to a sizzle so that um, we know that that pan is hot and that butter and and olive oil is all mixed together. And then we're gonna add our salmon. Now I normally get a large piece of salmon and I leave the skin on and, um, and what I do is cut that salmon into about three to four pretty large pieces. And so we add that salmon into the pan with the skin facing down. And so we do that because the skin is going to soak up all that buttery, olive oil, um, salt, and all that, that mixture, all that flavor. It's going to suck that up into the skin. And so when you flip it over, you have that kind of seeping down into your meat as well. Um, mind you, before I do this, I do not put any seasoning on the salmon. I'm completely seasoning my salmon in the pan. So. Like I said, we put the salmon in the pan with the skin facing down and put that pan, and that pan is on medium high um, because I want that skin to sizzle and almost fry in a way and get nice and crispy. And so that's gonna cook pretty quickly. So I usually leave it for about, takes about five minutes for me because you wanna look for um, the meat to start to cook on that side so that that meat will turn to like a light pink just on that bottom. And once you see that, um, you wanna flip it over. And so before you flip it over though, I'll add in the some salt and pepper on that non-skin side, the, sky, the side that does not have skin. Um, Cause like I said, I'm doing all my seasoning in the pan. 
Now you wanna just go ahead and turn the heat down to a medium low or low temperature because we wanna slow cook the middle of that salmon so that it does not dry out. And at this point, you can cook the salmon to whatever temperature that you prefer. I like mine to be about a medium well heat, so it's like a little bit of um, darker pink in the center. Because for me, it just tastes better later when I'm heating up leftovers and stuff like that. It helps me to not dry out <laughs> later for, you know, during reheating. So I, I go for like a medium to medium well in the center. And, um, and so once you have that, you go ahead and just turn your salmon off and it is done. You probably want to get it out of the pan so it's not still cooking um, as it sits in that hot pan. Um, and then sometimes what I do is uh, eat it with spinach. Sometimes I add some lemon to it on top. You know, you can do whatever. It's kind of versatile because at this point all you use is salt, pepper, and butter and a little bit of oil. Um, but what I'm going to do this time is I'm going to make one of my favorite dishes and that is to have the salmon with some zucchini noodles. And it's I, it's one of my favorites because it's really simple <laughs> and I stumbled upon it when I was um, <laughs> trying not to eat so many um, carbs. And so all I do is just take some zucchini noodles, some fresh zucchini noodles, put them in the bottom of a plate, um, and then add a piece of my salmon on top. And then I add some ginger dressing to that. And you can pick whatever dressing you like. I tend to like the ginger um, paired with it. And then sprinkle some crushed red pepper on top. And so what you get is um, the noodles. I actually find that I don't even need to cook them. They just, the noodles kind of sop up the um, flavor and, and um, it gets like that, it gets the juices from the, um, the dressing, but it also soaks up the flavor of the fish. So that salmon, um, the salmon is really hearty and it, you know, it's kind of a heartier fish. And then the um, zucchini noodles are pretty light. So it just soaks that up. So, you know, as you're eating, you wrap the you know, zucchini around the salmon and eat it all at once. And you get, you know, the salmon flavor kind of bursting through the zucchini. And at the very end, you get a punch of that crushed red pepper. So it's actually, it becomes like a really <laughs> exciting thing to eat, even though it's very simple to make. So I love it because also it's, it's a dish that when I want, I can heat it up and then I can also eat it cold, more of like a salad if I'd like to as well. So give it a try. Let me know what you think. And if you find a way to improve it, let me know as well. All right. Until next time. Okay, so welcome back. And um, we are talking with Carl Fortune of Vice Fortune Foundation. When we left off, Carl, you were telling us that you had to define your why pretty much. That was pretty much the, the meat of your business plan. And so for people sitting at home who are trying to figure out their why, or maybe they have the thing they want to do, how did they get started working on something they're passionate about? Um, you actually just said it, uh, Roxy, paying attention to that passion. I think uh, for a lot of people, your passion is a precursor to your purpose. And so whatever it is that's keeping you up at night, whatever it is that, you know, you can do, you know, time and time again without getting bored, without getting tired, whatever gets your motivational juices and creativity flowing, 
I say pay attention to that. Don't ignore it. Sometimes a lot of people feel, well, that's not where the money is, or um, how do I explain this to my parents, or but I just don't even know where to start. Figure it out because your passion is definitely what is going to set that tone for you. And you then said, you said something so strong. You said <laughs> your passion, what did you say? Can propel you to your purpose or Passion is a precursor, precursor. to purpose. Yep. Like you, you went by that so fast. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> your passion is a precursor to your, to your purpose. Yeah. And people spend tons and tons of energy, time, everything, trying to find out what their purpose is. But if yep. they just step back and look at what, what they're are you passionate about, yeah. Wow. Yeah. What keeps me up at night? What wakes me up in the morning? Mm -hmm. What I do for free? Like I'm about to start preaching on this one. Hey, right. <laughs> that's strong. Take it there. Take it there. <laughs> yeah. That's strong. Because think about the things that you circle back to all the time. Yeah. You circle back to it. You ignore it. And then you just, another year later, you come back to it and you like doing it, but you never focus on it. Mm -hmm. And it's just, if you just have, if you stop and pay attention to that, you can get wow. Yeah. So interestingly enough, Betty and Roxy, when you have someone who says, well, I don't know what my purpose is, or I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out. I guarantee you ask them what they're passionate about. They know their purpose. A lot of times we ignore our purpose. Mm. But we know what it is. If yeah. we really take a step back, as you said, and reflect about those things that we are passionate about, deep mm. down inside, we know our purpose. Yeah. And for our listeners out there, like, I think you've made a great point. I mean, don't, don't miss this is that don't look at just the money because it, it may not be a income generating. Like you think I want to be a millionaire or why I want to be this, but I think this is important because what you're, if you're doing what you're passionate about, then you live life more fulfilled. Yeah. You live life with more joy more satisfaction and more peace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You hate going to your regular day job, but you know your regular day job funds what you're can fund, you know, what you're passionate about. So don't look at what the money is. I think that's hugely important because you don't want to live life like <laughs> chasing after things that don't bring you joy and satisfaction. Anyway, I'm gonna get off that because that's a whole show by itself. Please. <laughs> oh my. Okay, I don't know if we can take number two, Carl. What's number two? <laughs> um, number two is, is discipline, discipline, discipline. You just have to be willing to put in the work. Uh, um, Betty, you used an example earlier of someone who wants, who maybe wants to become a singer. And so by putting in the work, it's taking the vocal lessons or doing the vocal exercises or, you know, um, studying music, learning music, and, and different things like that, um, practicing, rehearsing. So I definitely think um, when it comes to your purpose, having the discipline to, to push through or carry through is important. And that's what makes the difference between uh, starting your purpose now or 10 years from now. Um, mm -hmm. You have a lot of people who say, Oh man, if I just wish I would have, you know, started doing this five years ago when I first, you know, and, and discipline is that deal breaker. It'll make or break your purpose. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I think the last thing is just, um, and this is more so for support and encouragement, motivation along the way, um, just immersing yourself around people 
who um, are like-minded people who are going to, you know, root for you and, and be the cheerleader in the background um, and just pushing you along the way. Yeah, yeah, that is huge. Yeah. So I so I heard. Pay attention to your passion. Put some discipline to that thing. <laughs> Which is a cuss word. No. <laughs> you said what? <laughs> but no, no, no. Discipline. <laughs> um, and then surround your people. Surround yourself with like-minded people, so your network does really matter. Yeah. Um, and I like those because I think sometimes even though, um, you know, we also scared sometimes we'll, we'll be wrong. You're like, what if I do this and it's not my purpose? But I feel like you just never know if you don't get started. So, and it's okay if you get started and you get into it and you're like, okay, I like doing this, but it's not the thing I'm going to do forever or whatever. It's perfectly fine. Yeah. Fear is the most crippling and Debil debilitating thing when it comes to moving forward with our with our purpose and if if we you know continue to operate in that fear we will be stuck yeah stuck. yeah that's why i think what you're doing is important because you know youth and young people you know you can if they can get a, a adult in their life who can speak to them about what they, what's possible for them, they believe it and they just run with it, right? Yeah. But us adults, we're like, oh, wait a minute, I done had too much life. <laughs> you know, I've seen too many disappointments and yeah, I hear you guys saying, go for it, go for it. But you know, I failed so many times. What would you say to a person who's like, I'm scared or, you know, it won't work for me kind of thing? I will say to them what I say to myself every single day, do it scared. It's okay to be scared, but do it anyway. Yeah. Jump out there, put yourself out there, um, and, and just go for it. And that's really the only way to conquer fear is to face it yeah. head on directly. And so do it scared. Yeah, yeah. Can I ask one last question? I felt you had the wrap-up face. No, no. <laughs> no. I, no, no, no. I thought you could be like, Oh, well, thank you. And I, <laughs> I was like, wait, wait, wait. Because um, I really want to know because um, you're like we talked about your uh, your job requires a lot of networking with on different levels. And so I was just curious if so if I'm starting a business that requires a lot of networking and getting people to buy in, especially partnerships, like how do you pitch? Like what I don't like, is there a pitch protocol or <laughs> like how, how do you pitch your organization no you know and that's interesting that you asked uh roxy because that was part of my business plan i wrote out a pitch that i had to memorize and say over and over and over again until you get it right because you only have sometimes one chance to really um make an impression on somebody and and, and try to get that buy-in so I would say, you know, write down your pitch and, and rehearse your pitch and, and say it to yourself over and over until you're comfortable enough to say it um, off memory and, and confidently at that. And so, yes, when it came to networking and meeting new people and going to these schools and uh, community events, you know, I, I had to have a set of buzzwords that I knew I was always going to add into whatever I was saying. I'm like, whatever I say, I just have to make sure I say these words because those words will really 
um, what was key and, and the driving force, you know, um, behind, you know, the Fortune Foundation and our mission and our values and, and those kinds of things. Mm. Nice. So is it like, this is my organization? Because you know how some people say you have to tell them what you do and then also have an ask or like, what were like some of the things you included in yours? Yeah, um, it's always good when you can at some point include metrics, outcomes, and impacts. Um, so I'm a numbers person. So, you know, even before the Fortune Foundation, some of the things that I was doing before that in the community, I used that and leveraged that as some of my win, win things when I would, you know, pitch. So, you know, the Fortune Foundation has been around for five years now. We've um, partnered with over 12 schools and mentored over 500 students and, you know, different things like that. You definitely want to say numbers because that's what sticks out and resonates with people. They're always going to remember, you know, some of those, those, those big things. Nice. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Um, so tell our audience where they can keep up with you. What are your... Yes, yes, yes. You can keep up with the Fortune Foundation um, on our website, www.fortune-so there's a hyphen, fortune-foundation.org. Uh, we're also on social media, um, Fortune Foundation. Uh, we're on Twitter, Fortune Foundation, and, and myself, uh, Carl Fortune underscore on Instagram. Okay. And, um, in what state are you in? We are um, operating in the state of Maryland. Okay. Yep. Cool. cool. Roxy, you want to tell our people where they can find us? <laughs> well, thanks for coming today. <laughs> if you are watching us on YouTube, please subscribe wherever that button is. I just point everywhere. Um, also, you can hit the bell to um, be notified when we have new episodes and like and share and comment. And then also, if you want to follow us on Facebook or on Instagram, we are at Chat and Chew Show. So thank you so much, Carl, for joining us again. Thank you, thank you for having me. This was fun. It was an honor and a pleasure. Thank you so much, ladies. Sure, sure. Well, audience, friends, guests, we will see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. This episode is brought to you by the Chat and Chew Company. Host Betty Jones, co-host Roxanne Brew, producer Vanessa Outland, and music by Elwood Jones. <laughs>